0: Welcome to First Baptist Wiley. We're excited to bring you these weekly messages. Find out more about us or give online at fbw.church.
1: Welcome, faith family. Man, I'm so excited for the opportunity to be able to bring you a message from God's word. Thankful for Pastor Chris trusting me to do that this week. Uh, we, we started a series last week called I Dare You" from the book of Daniel. And last week we talked about the importance of being distinctly different. And this week we're gonna look at three of those guys who were distinctly different. They dared to be different. You know, generally in life, we want to avoid pain. We want to be comfortable. Uh, Things like pain-free dentistry appeal to us for a couple of reasons. One is, we don't like pain. The second, we don't like dentists. If you're a dentist, hey, I'm sure you get it by now. But not just that, we like pain-free dieting. We want to be able to diet, but we don't want to have to be able to suffer or struggle through our eating habits. I actually read this week that there's a thing called pain-free acupuncture. Not sure that I quite understand that, but hey, if you're into acupuncture, you probably prefer it not to hurt. Me, I can't imagine sticking needles in my face and there not being some pain associated with it. But I also discovered there's a thing called pain-free dating. Now, I really haven't dated in a while like most people would date. I've been married for over 30 years and we go on dates. Yes, we just went on a date last night and I can honestly say it was pretty pain-free. So I was a little surprised to find out that there's a thing called pain-free dating. But we're also looking for other ways in our life to be pain-free. And one is we like pain-free workouts. I'll just be honest with you. We like it when we can work out And it really not be painful. Now, I saw this picture. and Maybe you'll find it funny. Uh, I know I did. It said they told me that muscle pain means I'm getting stronger. I'm not sure that I believe them. Well, you may not be able to tell. And I know Chris talks about working out on a regular basis. But I work out. I try to work out about five days a week. Now, I can share this with you because my workout coach is out of town on vacation this week. So don't tell him. He attends this church, so don't tell him. I won't say his name, but some of you know who he is. But I really prefer my workouts to be pain-free. As a matter of fact, and to keep this between you and me, uh, I cheat a lot in our workouts. If it gets hard and it really starts to hurt, I just don't do it. I just like, he'll say, hey, do 12 reps of this. And if it's heavy and it's a struggle, I do eight. Sometimes I do six, but just keep that between us, okay? Because I don't like it to hurt. I don't like it to be a a struggle. You know, most of us, we just want sculpted bodies and we want pounds to fall off without any painful work. But the same can be said in life as in workout. No pain, no gain. As a matter of fact, I saw this quote and I really liked it. It said, "The, the wise man accepts his pain, endures it, but does not add to it. So sometimes we just have to accept the struggle that we're in, all the while, try not to make it worse than it actually is. The pain that comes into our lives though, we really have to accept the fact that they have purpose. Struggle reminds us of a deeper need. The struggles that we go through, hopefully at some point in our life, reminds us that there is a need, a need for God. God uses pain And through adversity, we have we learn eternal truths that we would not possibly otherwise learn. There's another quote I want you to see, and it's this: It's in the hardest times that teaches the most valuable lessons. It's in the hardest times that teaches the most valuable lessons. I know, even hearing that, for some of you, maybe you go back to a place where you learned a hard lesson. Maybe you go back to a place. Where maybe even your parents said, don't do this because you they knew, hey, following through with this could cause some kind of pain, could cause hurt, could cause some kind of struggle down the road. I remember just as a kid, uh, about five or six years old, my dad uh, and I were out in the yard and I'm doing what a five or six year old would do. I'm trying to find something to tear up. So I'm sitting in the yard and I'm busting this little, this brick up, uh, you know, with a hammer. Probably not the smartest thing. It was my dad say, hey, don't do that. And I was like, yeah, but it's kind of fun, it's whatever. Well, the reason he didn't want me to do that because he knew that that could lead to some kind of pain. Well, sure enough, about about an hour or so later, I'm running through the yard, right in the same area I busted this brick up. And yeah, you guessed it. I trip, I fall right toward the jagged brick is. Man, it cuts my knee in a bunch of different ways and end up having to go to the hospital and end up having knee surgery because of this goes back to when, hey, my dad said, hey, don't do this because we're trying to avoid some kind of pain. But through that pain, you know what I did learn? A couple of valuable lessons. One, and if you're a a, a kid out there, if you're a teenager out there, listen to your parents. It's a good lesson. Listen to your parents. But sometimes it's through those hard lessons in life that we learn the most valuable lessons. It was author Randy Alcorn that said this. It said, if you base your faith On the lack of affliction, your faith lives on the brink of extinction. I'm going to read that again just so you get it. If you base your faith on the lack of affliction, your faith lives on the brink of extinction. In order for our faith to grow and to be stronger, it takes uh, opportunities in our life, if you will, even obstacles in our life to grow that faith to be stronger. We find ourselves in Daniel chapter 3 today. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. And I'm going to be in Daniel chapter 3, verse 13. So as you turn there, I just want to kind of give you a little background of what's a familiar story, a story that many of you already know, some of you learned as a child. It would even be probably a top five story in all the Bible. When you think about... Uh, stories that that kind of has resonated with you through the years, this particular story in the Bible would be one that people are like, yeah, I remember that. I remember this particular story. And it's about three guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We talked about those guys last week. And here in Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar has built this big, tall idol, this statue. It's 90 feet tall. Now, In this particular region that they were in, it was pretty flat and you could see for a long ways. So if you can imagine, here's a statue that stands about nine stories tall so everybody could see this. And he did this on purpose. I don't know why he thought it needed to be so big. Maybe he's making up for something else in his life that he felt like, hey, I'm inferior in some other ways. so I want to be big. So he makes this statue and this is what he says. Hey, people are going to bow down and worship this statue. People are going to bow down and worship this idol. And he put, to, put a band together uh, back in that day of a lot of different instruments. And he said, hey, when you hear this music, when the band strikes up the chord and begins to play, everybody needs to bow down. Everybody needs to worship. And then what we, we're going to find out here in the story is there's these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they have decided, you know what? I'm not going to defile God and I'm not going to worship and bow down to this idol. In Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 13, read along with me, and it says this. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image I have set up? Verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But in verse 18, and I would say this is one of those times in your Bible or your app or whatever you do, and you might want to just underline this, highlight it, circle it, whatever you need to to do because I think right here in verse 18, we see something that's significant. I definitely don't want us to miss this today because many of us know the story of the fiery furnace. We know the threat to throw these men in this fire and their courage to say, our God will deliver us. We're going to stand. And in verse 18, we see three words that I think is really significant in this story. And it says this, but if not, He says, hey, you know what? We trust in God and we're not going to bow down. We really believe our God is going to deliver us. But if not, and they're basically saying, but even if he doesn't show up, even if God doesn't do what we want him to do, hey, how about this? Even if God doesn't answer our prayer the way we want it answered. Even if we don't get the results we're looking for. But if not, But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods. Even if God doesn't show up, we're still not going to worship the golden image that you have set up. Verse 21, Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. So here we have three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that that the king had built a statue and he said, hey, everybody's gonna bow down when you hear the band play, bow down and worship. And these three guys says, no, I'm not gonna do it. Our God's gonna deliver us. But if not... And you got to think they're at that moment when they said that, they were thinking, oh, we're not going to bow down and God's going to deliver us in some way. Man, little angels are going to show up in some way, man. A, a lion's going to jump out and attack the king and we're not gonna, he's not going to be king anymore. Or in some way, something magical is going to happen. God's going to show up and save us from having to be thrown in the furnace. But they were so confident in their God. They said, but even if he doesn't, all the way to the point, Toward the throne into the fire. I've got one point I want you to see today, one main point, and this is what I, I want you to get. A trusted faith is a tested faith. A trusted faith is a tested faith. You can't trust your faith if you haven't tested your faith. And there's a couple of things today I just want us to get out of this, and it's starting with this right here. A trusted faith follows God and not the favor of man. A trusted faith follows God and not the favor of man. We see this in verse 16, where they reply to Nebuchadnezzar, we have no answer for you. There's no need for us to answer this. You've asked us, are we going to bow down? And there's really no need for us to even to respond. I love the response of these guys though, because what we saw here was that they didn't get together in a holy huddle and decide what they were going to do. They didn't put it out on Facebook and say, hey, let's get a Facebook poll and let's let people vote on how we should respond to the king. They didn't get together themselves and and say, okay, two out of three, how is this going to go? Are we going to bow down or are we not going to bow down? It doesn't say that they got together and play rock, paper, scissors to see who would win, who gets to choose. No, what we also see is, you know what they didn't do either? They didn't fast and pray. Because that's the spiritual thing that we would say, hey, in this moment, when we don't know what to do, this is where we should always go. We should always pray and fast. And I'd say there's a lot of truth in that, but these guys didn't do that. Because what we see right here is they already knew what to do. It's already been spelled out in Scripture. So often we decide as individuals, it's like, hey, you know what? When things get tough, we will pray and ask God to show us what to do. Well, I'll go ahead and tell you. God's never going to tell you to do something that he's not already affirmed in his word. Your prayer is never going to be answered contrary to what Scripture already has to say about it. And what these guys knew is what the Bible already had to say about bowing down to other gods and worshiping idols. Matter of fact, they go all the way back to the Ten Commandments. It's it's the first and second commandment that gives clear direction on how these guys should respond to a king saying, bow down to this idol. The first commandment says this, to have no other god. The second commandment says, don't bow down to any idols. So they didn't pray and they didn't fast asking God what they could do. They knew exactly what Scripture said. You know what? How easy would it have been for these guys to compromise? How easy would it have been for these guys to say, you know what? Uh, I don't think it's going to matter that much. Maybe we can find a way. Maybe they maybe they could have just said, hey, how about if we just fake it? What if we just bow down and we can like maybe get down on our knees? And as long as we don't really worship in our heart, it'll be okay.' Hmm. Does that sound familiar anyway? How maybe we bow down or make a compromise in our life thinking, oh, well, we'll just do this for show, and then we won't really have to take the firm stand in certain areas of our life. And we think, well, as long as we don't mean it in our heart that God will understand. Maybe, you know, these guys could have just said, how about if we just ask for forgiveness? We'll do this, and we know that God is a loving and forgiving God, so we'll bow down in this area of our life. We'll compromise our faith over here knowing that God's a God who loves and forgives. And we'll just ask for forgiveness. Or maybe they could have just said, hey, it's really not that big a deal. You know, God's an understanding God. And as long as we do other good things, as long as we stand up for God in other areas of our life, then it probably, you know, in God's eyes, won't be that big a deal. As long as we're good, our good will outweigh this, this bad. So a lot of ways they could have compromised. But you know what they decided to do? they chose in their heart, they settle in their heart, that we're not going to compromise. Because you know that, that when we're committed, the enemy always gives us opportunities to compromise. When we commit to something, there's always going to be opportunities to compromise. It's how we deal with those compromises that determines how strong our faith is going to be. A faith that follows God does not follow the favor of man. Point number two is this. A tested faith does not falter because of the fire. In verse 17, this is how it reads. It says, if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand. In this moment, they had to test their faith. In this moment, it was about, okay, we believe something. We believe who God is, and we've seen God It's hand in our lives. it work in other places. But at this point, this is where they had to put their test, their faith to the test. Because just know at this particular moment, their eyes begin to see a fiery furnace. And not just a fiery furnace. The scripture tells us, if you read the full story, that King Nebuchadnezzar had heated the furnace up because he was so angry, because he was so enraged at these three boys that he said, heat this furnace up seven times hotter than normal. Their eyes saw the fire, and then they began to feel the fire. It was hot. And their response God is able. God is able. God is able to deliver. I wanna ask you this no matter what you see in your life, no matter what you feel is your response, God is able. And I heard it said that everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And I would say that everybody has a faith until they feel the heat of the fire. Because most people want to avoid the fire at all costs. But what we see right here is that God, God is able to deliver. Yes, but sometimes God delivers through the fire and not from the fire. I think somebody needs to hear that today because I believe there's people that in some kind of fire in life and they're just like, hey, I thought God was going to help me avoid this. Hey, I thought God was going to provide a way of escape. I thought God would never put more on me than I could stand. And I just want to tell you that God is able to deliver and God does deliver, but often God delivers through the fire, not from the fire. Not everything in life, not everything in life turns out the way that we want. Not every prayer is answered the way that we want it to be answered. Not everything in life turns out the way that we want, but everything in life turns out the way God intends. Everything turns out the way God intends. The true test of faith comes in verse 18. In verse 18, it says, but if not we will still trust him. But if not, but if not, even if God does not deliver us from going into the furnace, we're going to trust God. See, these guys had a trusted faith that had stood the test of fire. I want us to be reminded by a passage of scripture in Habakkuk 317 that says this, when you're wondering, okay, uh, God didn't answer the prayer like I hoped he would. God didn't come through like we thought he would. Things are still seem to be difficult. or There still seems to be a struggle in your life. I mean, be encouraged by these words. Habakkuk 3.17 says this, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no fruit. The flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. And in verse 18, it says this, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. What the prophet Habakkuk was saying, even if God does not come through the way that I hoped that he would, even if my prayer does not get answered the way that I wanted it to, I'm going to praise him anyway. I'm going to praise him anyway. Because attested faith does not falter in the fire. You know, God reveals his power in many places. And you've seen God's power displayed in a lot of different ways. But God reveals his power in many places, but you experience God's presence in the fire. Verse 25, King Nebuchadnezzar says this, I see four people in the furnace. I mean, this is where this story really begins to get exciting because up until this point, it's like, okay, these guys are, they're, they're going to be firm and they're going to stand and they're going to have faith. But then in verse 25, it's Nebuchadnezzar who looks into the fire and says, I see four people. And the fourth looks like the son of God. See, God had not delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fire. God was in the fire. He was in their struggle. He was, he was with them in the hard time. And it became evident. So evident to the point that Nebuchadnezzar could physically see that Jesus was in the fire with, Nebu- with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I know that today some of you find yourself in a fire. I know that some of you today, I mean, you need to be reminded that in the midst of the storm, the struggle, the difficult situation you find yourself in, that there's another in the fire. For some of you, your fire today is that your bank account is more red than it is black. Some of you today, your fire is that your marriage is falling apart. You haven't spoken with your spouse for for days, weeks, maybe even months. For some of you today, you just need to to know that God's with you in the fire. For some of you, your fire started out as an occasional drink and now it's turned into for a day and you realize that you got a problem. For some of you, The fire you find yourself in is a medical report and the results did not turn out the way that you hoped. And you need to know there's another in the fire. For some of you, your fire is some kind of addiction. Over the last several weeks, months, even through a difficult season of a pandemic, man, you you started leaning into things to find some kind of relief. And now you find yourself in the fire of an addiction to, to prescription pain medication. Maybe, you're, maybe you find yourself in the fire of, of an addiction to spending. Maybe you find yourself in the fire of a rabbit hole you had no idea you'd go down. You found yourself entangled in the web, of going to places that you never thought you would go. And now this fire has turned into an addiction to pornography. Maybe for some of you, you're in the fire of guilt and shame. And you can't get past your past. The enemy keeps reminding you of all your failures, and in this fire, you think you're all alone. Some of you are in the fire depression, and you just feel like that there's no hope. Well, today, I just want to tell you, there is hope. There's another in the fire. You just need to know that you are not alone, that there's another in the fire. I want us to end our time together today a little bit different than we have before. I want you to just listen to the words of this song. Chet and Abraham's going to play a song. I want it to just kind of just let it fall over you today. I want you to listen to the words. Maybe it's a familiar song you've heard before. Maybe it's the first time. But I want you to listen and have assurance of knowing There's another in the fire.
0: For there's a grace when the heart is under fire Another way when the walls are closing in And when I look at the space between Where I used to be in this reckoning For I know I will never be alone There was another in the farm Standing next to me There was another in the wall Hold him back the sea, and should I ever need remind Of how I've been set free There is a cross the best the burn where another die for me There is another in the fire My dead left and dead beneath the wall And I'm no longer a slave to my sin anymore and should I fall in the space between What remains of me in this reckoning For either way I won't bow to the things of this world Nobody. And now the power lives in me. There is another in the fire. And oh, there is another in the fire. know oh, Cause I can see the. Beneath us is the prison walls caving, no nothing stands between us, yes nothing stands between us. There is no other name but the name that is Jesus And He who was and still is and will be through it all So come what may in the space between All the things unseen in this reckoning For I know I will never be alone Cause I know, I know how be alone. There'll be another in the fire. And standing next to me, there'll be another in the wall. And holding back the seas. And should I ever need your mind, how good you've been to me. I count the joy come every bite. Cause I know that's where you'll be I count the joy come every bite Cause I know that's where you'll be I count the joy come every bite Cause I know that's where you'll be
1: That song is a declaration of faith. What an amazing reminder that we do not go through the fires of life alone. You know, in the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, it is in the fire that what has bound them is loosed. What tied them up was burned up. See, they came through the furnace and their, their clothes was not scorched, the hair was not singed, they didn't even smell like smoke. And in in verse 25, King Nebuchadnezzar says, I see them in the furnace and they have been unbound. See, they were set free in the fire. God wants to set us free from the very thing that has us bound up in the fire. That gives us hope. Hope to know that there's another in the fire. There is hope because there is light in the darkness and the darkness bows to Him. There is hope because there is a cross that bears no burden where Jesus died for you. There is hope because there is a grave that holds nobody and that power is alive in you. There is hope today because God is using your fire to set you free. Some of you just need to be reminded today that you're not alone, that there's another in the fire. This story ends with King Nebuchadnezzar worshiping God. He's worshiping God because he saw Jesus in the fire. Your fire, your struggle, your battle. Allow God to use it so people can see Jesus. I dare you. I dare you this week. I dare you this week to test your faith through the fire, trusting that Jesus is going to show up. I dare you to trust God with your finances. I dare you to trust God with your marriage. Trust God with your addictions. Trust your faith that's been tested through the fire you may have joined us online this week. And through this reminder, you just really feel like, man, I've never really trusted God. I've never put my faith in Jesus. And just know you can do that today. And we have Chad, host online who would love to be able to pray with you and help you to understand what it's like to step into a relationship with Jesus. But some of you that are watching online, you just need to be encouraged. You need to to have somebody pray with you. And just know there's somebody there too that you can reach out to that would love to pray with you. Just know as a church, we're here for you. We're so glad that you chose to join us this week. And remember, there's another in the fire.